I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know, journalists, insiders, all of whom can break down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Listen now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. On a chaotic Tuesday, we've already done this once before. We're adding a Another episode on top of an emergency episode it is a double emergency podcast. This has never happened ever in the content game. I'm joined by Stephen Ruiz. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Nor Princiati. Things are happening. Things are happening. Ben Solak is here. This is pod racing, baby. All right. This is con. This is pure, undiluted, A-grade football content. All right. Drew Locke. Has been traded. <laughs> I'm so mad to the Seattle Seahawks. Is the headline? Um, no. So let, let let me tell you what happened. So Aaron Rodgers announced he was signing, uh, resigning with the Packers, an extension with the Packers, staying with the Packers. That particular slice of news was put to bed. We recorded a podcast. We ended the podcast. We had a wonderful discussion after the podcast about eight man in football in Nebraska. It went weird places. And then after we all hung up, about a minute later, I read an ad, and then. Russell Wilson got traded to the Denver Broncos. So we had to reconvene. Ah! And what, what we're going to do is we're going to just do this on Russ. And then we're going to put right after we're done with Russ, the rest of the episode, the Roger stuff. Uh, we got into some Mike Gesicki talk. I promise you, had we known Russell Wilson was not going to uh, be a Seahawk by the end of the day, we would not have spent time on uh, T. Higgins, uh, weird hypothetical scenarios and Mike Gesicki. But here we are. Um, so let's start here. There are two stupid things that that I and we said in the second part of this podcast, and we didn't know what was going on. Number one was that the Broncos were losers in the Aaron Rodgers situation. And number two is I said this, which is that when a franchise wants to keep a quarterback, they've always kept them when they're under contract. Um, and that seems to have changed today with Russell Wilson, an actual superstar quarterback, changing teams uh, it's one of the first in a modern era russell wilson significantly better than again i'll get to this but you know this is not jay cutler 
And this is not Matt Stafford. He's A, better than Matt Stafford, but B, you know, that was a rebuilding team. Um, that gets to the question of where the Seahawks are right now in their life cycle. But I'll start with you, Ben. What stands out? Oh, brother. I have, I have, no, I have no idea how this works. I, I, I don't even, I've not Football? calibrated to this, right? Like, I think that I, I was saying in the pre-show, we didn't even have, like, in my, at least in my reading, and please correct me if I'm wrong, a whisper of, of Russell Wilson to Denver, right? Like, yeah. everything about Russ was big city. Everything about Russ was New York. It was Las Vegas. It was, what's the lifestyle going to be like? What's going to be like for his wife to the singer's name? I don't remember. Like, it, it's, it's what, what a... Sierra. Sierra. Goodness I, gracious, Benjamin. How dare you? I always think it's Kiara, but it's not, regardless. Okay. Um, oh my that was God. worse than not no, knowing her name at all terrible this is, this this is terrible we're busy right now this um, is some grim dark stuff denver has obviously looked like a team that that has felt like they are a quarterback away big fangio before he was fired said very plainly in in, in i think it was the post-game press of their final game what's the difference between you guys and the other teams in the division that are all fighting for the playoffs in the playoffs he was like it's quarterback position right uh, receiver wise, right? They have Cortland Sutton on an extension, Tim Patrick on an extension, Jerry Judy. They are ready to go. Running back wise, they have Melvin Gordon in the building with Javante Williams drafted. Gordon is a free agent, but they look like they're going to try to bring him back. They are ready to go along the offensive line. Garrett Bowles, Graham Glasgow, Dalton Reisner, Quinn Miners, Lloyd Cushenberry. Like they have a good offensive nucleus. The quarterback is the difference. And everything seemed pointed towards Rodgers. And we called them a loser because they missed out on Rodgers. And they hired Nathaniel Hackett. It looked like that was to get to Rodgers. And Adam Schefter. Tweeted right away, right after the trade was announced. Uh, actually, they, this is not a direct reaction to Rodgers signing at Green Bay. Don't put it in the newspaper that the Broncos wanted Rodgers first, and then they're settling with Russ. So there's a little bit of like a, of a question mark there, but this team still felt like they were that elite quarterback away. We were all looking at Rodgers. We know Rodgers would be that elite quarterback. You now open up the question, which is why I'm very scared that Steven is on this podcast. Yes. Is Russ He's ready to still go. an elite quarterback? And... With Russ's age and play style, mm-hmm. it is very tricky to think about how Russ is going to adapt into presumably what Green Bay was doing and what, what Nathaniel Hackett has done West Coast-wise. Those are extremely dissonant ideas. And reconciling those two and finding a happy medium is not going to be easy and not going to happen quick. And you know expectations are going to be very, very high on this offense. And so this is a bold stroke. And I'm not sure it's it's going to be clean, neat, easy, or effective. If it is, sick. But they're, they're figuring out what exactly Russ is in Denver, first time out of Seattle, is really, really tricky. This reminds me, there's this one analogous thing. And it was in 2011 when the Nets and the Knicks were both trying to get Carmelo Anthony. And then the Nets didn't get him. And then they immediately sent the same package to Den- for, to Utah for Deron Williams. Like that, Darren Williams, that, that, was, that was it where they're just like, you know what? We bundled all these picks together. We might as well spend them. Steven, um, you had a take before we started recording. And I don't even want to ask a question. Just get it out into the open. I don't know if this is necessarily a win for the Broncos, to be honest with you. Like <laughs> trading that package for Aaron Rodgers, that is a smart, a smart deal because you bring Aaron Rodgers on. It doesn't matter what offense you're running. It's going to be good. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. who your coach is. It's going to work because it's Aaron Rodgers. Here's the thing about Russ. He turns every single offense he's in, no matter the personnel, no matter the guy calling the plays into the Russell Wilson offense. Guess what? The Russell Wilson offense, it isn't a good offense. It isn't a sound offense. It's an effective one, but it's not something you could rely on week to week to week. And the older Russ gets, 
And the harder it is for him to do the backyard football thing that he does so well, he does it better than anything, anybody else that we've seen try to pull that off. Mm -hmm. I think it becomes less realistic for him to stick at that level of quarterback play that he's been at for like, Mm -hmm. what, the last 10 years. I just don't know if they're getting the guy they think they're getting. If they think they're getting 2017 Russ, they're not getting that guy. And that was the peak of his play. Nora, who are they getting? I'm looking up heights of Broncos offensive <laughs> linemen. God. As you should. Elway knows how tall Russell Wilson is. This is bananas. He's got, he's an outside consultant now. Elway, this is the first yeah, move and this is how of we the know. post-John Elway era is he's outside the building. They have padlocked the doors. They said, get this guy out of here and get a quarterback shorter than 6'5". <laughs> this is how we know it's real. Uh, I, I'm I'm not with Steven. I, I think you your first duty if you're running the Broncos right now was to upgrade at, at quarterback. I think there's everything that Steven just said is true, but I think not having Drew Locke and having Russell Wilson mm-hmm. instead matters more. There's going to be growing pains with this offense, and maybe it will never be able to get off the ground and truly fly in just an insanely competitive division. But the alternative is going nowhere, and there's at least a ceiling here that's not just competitive, but is really, really good. And that's what they didn't have before this. Uh, The caveat with that is that we don't totally know what beyond um, Drew Locke they're sending back in terms of players. The picks, like the window is open. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to be reckless here, but like you can figure out the picks situation later. I'm just curious if we will have a different perception of, holy crap, this roster is loaded with such young talent mm-hmm. once we know exactly who is going back to, to right. Seattle in this. Like, I agree with what Nora said. I don't think it's a great trade for the Broncos, but I agree it's something they had to do, especially after yeah. last year. You have to make this move, That's, and they yes. put themselves in a position where they had to make the move. Since Peyton Manning retired after they won the Super Bowl, they've been in a rut where the only way out of it is a quarterback. It's the only way out of it for Denver. And even if you overpay, there's no such thing as overpaying for a franchise quarterback. Your question right now, Stephen, is whether or not Russell Wilson still is that quarterback. I understand that. But I understand selling out for that and trying to at least get the the chance and the path forward because there is no other path forward. I mean, we were talking later uh, in this podcast uh, that, that people are going to listen to about what they do in, at the back of the top 10. And it's like you can just keep going in that lottery or you can overpay for what they think is a sure thing. And that I, I understand the move. I would make the move. I understand your concerns, but I would make this move. I would do it too, though. That's that's the crazy thing. It's a bad... I don't think it's the smartest bet, but it's a bet you absolutely have to make. Yeah. Because the other bet is Drew Locke. Right. And at this point, uh, Russ is $24 million on the cap this upcoming year. Uh, 19 base with a, with a $5 million roster bonus, and then 27 next year. So nice. 50, 50, $51 million over two years. Take a swing at Russ. You got an extra second and an extra third from the Vaughn trades. You're not really going to super put yourself out in terms of draft capital. Like, obviously, you're going to spend first instead. You're still going to have, like, a number of picks take swings on like it, it is relatively calculated it's like the risk is relatively mitigated in terms of like the ways that people have swung for franchise quarterbacks before i just think we do have to say like that you, you you put yourself in a bad spot you had to get a quarterback you had mm-hmm. to like, Norris say like this is the window you got to be able to hit the window it's all true they have the third best quarterback in the division right mm-hmm. like even if you like russ like that maybe no they have steven oh come they have on the third okay. best quarterback okay, in the bud. division yes 
who which, was better last year? Who was better? It wasn't even Russell close. Wilson was better last year before he hurt his finger. What do you oh, want? Jesus, Stephen. You're out of your mind. Okay. Your mind. What? Firstly, 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 we do got to get Derek Carr up out of this division. Because I agree that Derek Carr is generally underrated and deserves love and also the ability to win yeah. games, which he does not currently have in the AFC West because he's the fourth best quarterback. But like with, I'm just saying like it, it sucks for Derek Carr that he's so good and also the fourth best quarterback in his division. Regardless. Fine. Okay. I just feel bad for him. Regardless. If only there were a solution to not being as good as other people. Leaving and going to an easier division. Be better. You be better. Russ. Which Steven thinks has already happened, by the way. Yes. Russ is the third best quarterback there. And if the Broncos had to send, like, Sertan, right, in this trade, like, they're going to start to lose some of their stars on defense. I would imagine, like, I, I would hope they sent Judy. I don't think that Judy maps super well onto how Russ plays. I think that you would rather have Cortland Sutton be the featured receiver in that offense. I think Tim Patrick makes a lot of sense for how you want that to work. I think Noah Fant makes a lot of sense for how you want that to work. So I, I, I'd be curious to see about that. But, like, they're going to lose some stars. The window is there, but it is worth noting, like, even if you're getting peak Russ, you still got a gamut in that division, man. Our buddy Peter Schrager is reporting that the deal, and we'll get, hopefully we'll get the entire package by the end of this podcast. The deal right now is Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, a noted offensive rising star, and four picks. Uh, that sounds like Jerry Judy. Of That's course. Offensive, of, no, of, of course Jer the freaking Seahawks are like Shelby Harris, baby. Oh, 280 pounds, bats <laughs> passes. F focus, guys. Lock in. Shame me to Christmas. I mean, I hope that right. I hope the rising star is Jerry Judy for the reasons that Ben laid out. I don't know why he thinks this is good for George Fant. I don't. I think it's actually the opposite news for him because if you've looked at Russ's history with tight ends and the fact that he doesn't target a very Noah specific Fant, part of not the George field. Fant. And oh, sorry, no, Fant, Noah Fant. Fant plays like Jimmy. We, <laughs> Same we're, we're gonna get prime Jimmy, prime Jimmy Graham. Oh, There's a lot of Jimmy Graham comments about yeah. this podcast and the Aaron Rodgers podcast. Look at Jimmy. Look at Jimmy Graham's stat line in Seattle. It's good enough. Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now, your bits. Feet, toes, come on. Ugh. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... <sighs> Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. All right, I've got a couple of things that I, I want to get to. Number one is let's handicap the AFC West in general. I'm not talking about quarterbacks. I'm just talking about teams right now. What does this look like to you, Nora? I mean, I think you still put KC first. Yes. Then LA, Denver. LA's got a lot Raiders. of money to spend. Yeah, spent some and of it also on depends Williams. who the noted yeah. offensive rising stars. I don't like this this blind item stuff here. Yeah, yes, that's a pretty. But big. I, I, I think so that's assuming Telesco makes some decent moves with the next couple of Mike Williams, a couple of weeks, three years, yeah, 60 million. Resign Mike Williams. There, there's there's moves that can be made here. I swear to high heaven, if the rising offensive star is Javante Williams, I get to fight Pete Carroll. If they trade, <laughs> if they got a defensive lineman and a running back. We got to take the team away from it that man. It feels like that would might be it. It just in the sense that like that's that's the kind of thing you would say, like noted, if like it's, noted offensive if, rising yes, exactly. star. You would like, say Javante, if it was Jerry Judy. If it's Javante, this is 
this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Okay. All right. Let's let's put a pin in that and we'll wait for further updates. Ben so like AFC West. Uh, I think the Chiefs are the best team in the division. I think the Chargers are the second best team in the division. That's certainly pending and kind of projecting out moves that we expect the Chargers to make. Yeah. Aggressive moves at corner, aggressive moves along the interior defensive line. Like you said, they have a lot of cap space. Um, and then the Broncos, who presumably have have traded their first overall pick this year, of course, uh, and have made the Russell Wilson trade, not as much cap space, probably not going to make as many corresponding moves. Um, but I think the Chargers and, and Denver right there are kind of uh, two, three. And I think the Raiders are a clear four. Raiders got a lot of work to do to, to redo that defense. Um, and then you have your your Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr nucleus of, of questionable efficacy. Uh, and so to okay. me, Chiefs the clear one, and then a nucleus of questionable the, the, efficacy. The, the, so it's two, the, it's three players, two first rounders, two second rounders, and a fifth for Russell Wilson and a fourth per Jay Glaze. And the three players are Fant, Shelby Harris, who like is a good player. No, She's annoying that Fant, this is no, a thing. Lock, lock, lock. Excuse me, Lock, Shelby Harris, Shelby Harris, and and, and a mystery player, which is probably Javante Williams. As okay, long relax. as it's not Sutton, I'm fine with whoever it is. Because I yeah. think Sutton is a guy that needs to be there if Russ is going to be Russ. Okay. So let's talk about the Seahawks now, for as much as we don't want to do that. This is some grim, grim stuff. The Jamal Adams trade to go all in and capitalize on Russell Wilson's years. Woof. Where do we want to start, Ruiz? I don't even know. Like, how do you... I think probably the happiest person in, in the building might honestly be the offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron. Because mm-hmm. I think you can see he's going to be able to run his offense. And I think coaches want to, if they're going to fail, they want to oh, fail. Oh yeah, with Jameis Winston stuff. and Drew Locke. With Gino, baby. Oh, Steven's Gino. boy. <laughs> but uh, no, it's not going to look good. It's, it's not going to look good. Like I said earlier when we recorded we're in an era where I don't think you have to care about the cap as much. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only way you can spin zone this. And like, that's the only way you can cope this one out is like saying, oh, now we have more cap space. We're going to have draft picks to build. But ask Cleveland how that works out. If you miss one of those key draft picks, if you draft the wrong quarterback, all that work, all that suffering doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So no, like the Seahawks can't feel good about this in any way. Why did Russ, why did, why did Russ sign up? Well, Russ had a no trade clause, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Why do we think Russ... Why did he sign off on this? Yeah, why do we think he did? Denver's nice. This was already... I think the, the narrative was that it was a great place to play because the roster was was pretty good. I don't know if I necessarily mm-hmm. agree with that when, when what we're talking about compared to the other teams in right. the division. Um, and the Seahawks wanted to make the deal. If you want it out that badly, if you don't want to be in the situation going forward because you think it's going to be grim and you just want to change your pace, I would have taken right. it. No, I think so too. I think I think a lot of the, at least again, like in my read of the situation before this, was a lot of like Russ will leave for the right spot, and now it seems like it was like Russ was leaving, and like yes. once we found a spot, we were going. I think I, I think I underestimated just how badly Russ wanted out of Seattle. If you had asked me to handicap it uh, two hours ago, I would have told you Russ was more likely to stay than go, and now it seems like he was going and he was getting somewhere no matter what. I think part of that, though, and I I don't want to put words in your mouth, Ben, so you can correct Mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, but part of that is because there just wasn't buzz about this, right? Like, it was just a very quiet situation. I think if we just looked at, does Seattle have what they would need to have to really be able to not even maximize Russell Wilson, but just to be good enough to, to compete in the way that you would want a team with a very good quarterback still and Russell Wilson to compete, I think the answer is kind of no. Like, they're going to be bad. That, that... Roster is, 
I mean, a little bit less bare depending on what they're getting back. It and, is. And with the it picks, is. But... It is Noah Fant. It is yeah, Noah, it's Noah Fant. Fant. I just okay. 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 But you can't. You just can't miss on all of your draft draft picks for you know the better part of a decade and not have that deterioration happen around the quarterback. I I, I also did not expect this to happen just because there had been absolutely no rumblings about it, which is, by the way, impressive. Um, At the same time, I don't think it it makes a decent amount of football sense for Wilson to want to do this, I think. And I don't think Russ looks at that division in Mahomes and Herbert and thinks I'm the third best quarterback. He thinks I'm just like that. I don't think any of these do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any of these guys do that. that True Locke might, but yeah. Um, this is weird for Seattle, man. This is not enough for Russ. This is not like Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, Drew Locke, two first, two seconds is not enough for Russ. Uh, do they have, I mean, like, that this is a big deal, but you're giving back and forth. Yeah. This whole, like the fact that this was kept so well under wraps makes me wonder if there's a corresponding quarterback move that they feel confident about. Sure. Like someone like Matt Ryan or something. <laughs> Ryan. I was going to say Derek Carr. I don't want to do that again. Well, uh, no, but l- l- let's, are they let's go, kind let's of go one further. Their hands yeah. up. Like, this is not a good roster. Sure. But, or or they they just got the ninth pick in the draft and they're in the, they can be in the quarterback sweepstakes for someone like Malik Lewis. Okay. Um, how old's Pete? Pete want to do a rookie quarterback? Old. 70. Again? Yeah. Pete, Pete. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, he wants to do something. I mean, by that logic, right. he, just, he should have just kept Russell Wilson and kept, kept him moving. But he didn't want to do that. He's rebuilding with younger players. Right. Like, I think it's weird that Pete Carroll at 70 years old is like, bring on a rebuild. I think that. that yeah, is weird. right. That's that's what I'm saying. I don't like the. Uh, I don't know. Seattle. Mm, rookie quarterback in Seattle is tricky, especially because like what? If they draft Malik Willis out of Liberty, are they going to become a quarterback run team? Because mm-hmm. they had that kind of quasi option available with with Russ. They couldn't like have main day, but they could have sprinkled it in a lot. And they really. They didn't. Do they think that Malik is a Russell Wilson caliber second reaction thrower? Scramble, create outside of the pocket downfield? Oh, buddy, that's a leap. This this is a classic example of like they fell bass backwards into a starting quarterback with a third round pick. Like, yeah, we just do that again. We know how to scout quarterbacks. Oh, it ain't that easy, Chief. I wish with that e- it ain't that easy. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's that's the route I'd like to take. To me, like I just I don't I don't this is weird. This is weird. I, just, I don't get it for Seattle. Well, here's the other thing. Like, what do the next three years look like in Seattle if they just keep Russ? Is it any better? Yeah, that's the thing is like on paper, I hear the argument for why not just keep it moving, but it wasn't really moving. Like uh, Russ being hurt is obviously a big part of this, but like they were seven and 10. This is not a good team. Okay, so they, they were seven and 10. Russ got hurt. It's worth noting that the three seasons previous, they were 12 and 4, 11 and 5, 10 and 6. They made the playoffs in every single year and they won the division in 2020. I, I, and I'll be the first to say that Seattle's process wasn't optimal, but the team didn't have a losing record since 2011 before this season. I would think generally, I, I, unless they are really strong on, we can see the writing on the wall for Russ. We know he's getting old and we want to get out now while the getting out's good. I a lot of NFL teams would talk themselves into keeping this thing running. I, I that would be very understandable to me. That's totally that's totally yeah. fair. I just do feel like it it was trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, it's usually we think we the media think things are trending the wrong direction. NFL teams like nah, let's stick it out. 
it's much less common to see the media be like, oh, things are probably trending in the wrong direction. And teams be like, yeah, let's make an aggressive move. That's like new, especially for a team like Seattle, which is very rock them, sock them, stick it to them. This is the way we're going to do things. Let's do some winners and losers. Losers, DK Metcalf, Jamal Adams. I mean, I don't know about Jamal Adams, but I think DK Metcalf is the biggest loser out of yeah. this. No, like, I meant, he, Jamal, he I meant was Jamal Adams just in the sense that he didn't want to be in a losing situation and now he's in a super losing situation. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, here. He was on a seven and well, 10 team, so he was already in that. The other thing, though, is the other piece that we don't know here is like. Yes, and this gets back to how the Seahawks were thinking about where in the process of like fully committing to a rebuild or trying to make something out of very little they are. But it's very possible they're just like extremely open for business on a lot of players right now. Yeah. Like, if I'm Judge remi- I'm getting a lot of phone calls right now. This kind of reminds me of the Khalil Mack trade. I know, obviously, it's an edge rusher versus a, a quarterback, but it's a move where you're giving up on a big player that you should not be giving up on, in theory. But I think in the long run, I wouldn't be surprised if a year or two from now, we're thinking that was a, it was a smart time to pull the plug on it. Yeah. It's very prescient if it hits, which is impressive for an NFL team. And they're the ones that they're cl- they see Russ every day. So it, yeah. I put him on wash watch just from watching him from afar, but they see it every day. Ooh. I think they would. I didn't, like Kevin emerg- at the top, Kevin emergency said. Emergency washed watch designation. At the top, Kevin said, NFL teams do not get rid of superstar quarterbacks that they don't want to get rid of. Yeah. What Maybe they, they wanted to get rid of them. Right. All of right. this is just that, boiling that, down to uh, Steven rating Derek Carr above Russell Wilson. Steven uh, telling Andy Benoit he was right about Stafford over Russell Wilson, which he did this this past week. Steven's just the anti-Russ propaganda is out of control. Did you stop no, Andy no. Benoit in Indy and tell him he was right? Yes. Yeah, I said good take. Great take. A takesman recognized the takesman. They saw and each other let me, let me clarify my car over Wilson takes. Carr, I, I believe, in my opinion, was better than him last year, which I don't think is a hot take. Like, if you look at the stats and the film, in my opinion, they both say that. But I would not be surprised if he's better than him going forward because of how they play in their respective play styles. Like, if Russ's legs yeah. go or his arm goes, what is he as a quarterback? Like, if he can't throw those moon balls. And I, and I, I agree. I think that the, if Russ's legs goes, it impacts him a lot more than it impacted, like, Drew Brees, right? I very much agree with that. I also think that we've seen, like, astounding leaps in quarterback longevity over the last... 10 years of football, let alone five years of football. And if there's anybody that's going to be like super gung-ho in April about doing the right thing to his body to make sure he's 100% for the upcoming season, it'll be Mr. Unlimited, okay? It'll be hype videos, eating bread made out of footballs, Instagram workouts with bands and things, Russell Wilson. So like, I think that Russ longevity is the thing that like I'm, I'm concerned about, but I'm not so positive that like, Russ's body's going to fall apart because Russ seems like the sort of dude who's going to be really stoked about keeping his body together. Unfortunately, there's no workout for being 5'10". If only. As someone who's 5'10", I can tell you there's lots of workouts. Okay, bud? Um, going boxing later. Okay, pal? Um, all right. Uh, I just want to get it out there that this is not enough for the Seahawks. It's not like some haul. People are like, ah, oh, here come the Seahawks. Dude, it's two firsts. Like, that. that's... And players that aren't going to get them significantly better. Like, this is not some foundation. They gave up a one already for Jamal Adams this year. Like, this is not 
Like Schefter phrased it as this is the foundation for them to start their rebuild. What foundation, brother? Like there's just nothing here. They got to get lucky in the same way they already had to get lucky. There's no, this is not for me enough to right. say we're confident in, the, in our ability to rebuild this thing. They have one extra first round pick than they yes, would have right. if they did not make the Jamal Adams trades and the Russell Wilson trades. That's they right. were in the red. Now they're back to zero. Yeah, I don't right. think yet they're not in the black yet. So just do the 2013 drafts all over again, John Schneider. Hit it. Hit it. Go. Bunch of fifth round picks going to the Hall of Fame. Get him in here, baby. Michael Bennett. Generational Richard safety Sherman. in the first round. Yeah. No problem. Be nice. Anything else going on, guys? Any other winners or losers? I mean, DK, poor guy. I'm making Solak a loser. Now we know why DK didn't want to watch the. Uh, now, now we know why DK Metcalf came on this podcast and said he didn't want to watch the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's all the writing on the wall. Metcalf came on this podcast and then was just like, I don't really want to talk about football. And then we we're like, huh. Yeah. That's a tough, that's a tough time for a football podcast hit. I'll tell you, I um I was already pretty excited to see what Ajiro Evero, the new defensive coordinator of the sure. uh of the Broncos, was gonna do. Kind of uh, a guy with a brain Staley background. He was already taking over like a big fangio structure. Talked earlier about the fact that maybe they're losing Patrick Sertan. Keeping Sertan is incredible. Got Callahan in the building, got Simmons in the building, got Ronald Darby still there. Like uh Ibro's been a guy who's been talked about as a rising defensive star. And man, if he can hit, he's got tools are in place. Uh, so if you can hit your one and he knows what he's doing, that'll be a really freaking fun Broncos team, man. That'll be a really fun team to watch. It'll be a weird team to watch. They're gonna be figuring stuff out on the fly, baby. Week one is gonna be peculiar. Um, but how many games they win? Watch. Uh, are we doing the game? What's their schedule? It's not, I mean, uh, you just have opponents out. We don't need to go game by game. We can just ballpark it. All right. Well, they get they get the AFC South. So they get Titans, Colts, Jaguars, Texans. That's so, the so L. So lost the nice. Titans. And then in the, the NFC, lost. who do they get in the NFC? Uh, the, the, they get the West. Oh, they play the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, That's, it's a W. Uh, they win 11 games. Nine and eight. Yeah, I was going to say 10. It's just still so, tough. I like 11. I'm with Solak. Yeah. They're wiping yeah, the AFC good. South. They're wiping the AFC South. It's no problem. Also, Von Miller should go back now. 5 to 8 0, baby. You know who's a loser in this? The last team searching for a quarterback that has not found one. Hmm, I wonder who okay, that is. Okay, also, also, look, if we're doing winners and losers, Aaron Rodgers kind of a loser. Yes, Say I thought it. about that. He's got to be mad. He's got to be big mad. Stole his moment. His big day. Russ just like 15 minutes of a news cycle. And then Russ just swooped in, took it away. Doesn't even get to lead off this podcast anymore. He's punching air. He's going to see this in the podcast queue. Mm-hmm. And he's going to see that he got, he's the second emergency podcast. And he's going to be punch <laughs> air. Uh, Honestly, the, to, only, uh, the only cleanse. way to win the news cycle is to retire. Do it. Just renege and on un-retire. all of it. Just- what, if, what if tomorrow he's just like, you know, I don't know. What if Rodgers just starts? My future is a beautiful mystery. Demand a trade yeah. to the Seahawks and then win. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Anything else, guys? Before we get to the uh, Rodgers portion of this, all I do want to ask right now: our March eighth predictions. Who's the Week One starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks? Malik Willis. Malik Willis. Yeah, Nora? I guess. I don't know. What? It makes <laughs> me want to pick Drew Locke. Just well, but that's like the right answer. So now I want to yeah. give a contrarian pick. I'm going Drew Gino. Locke. Go Gino Smith. Gino Smith. Gino. Gino Smith's going to beat. I'm going to tell you something right now. 
Drew, Geno Smith would beat Drew Locke in a quarterback competition. Yeah, without, without question. Is this the is this the Mitchell spot? Is this the old old Trubisky no. round two run? I don't think that he gives you anything functionally different from any of those yeah. other guys. Yeah, I'm just saying if Wal if Waldron's gonna run the Sean McVay offense, Jimmy uh-huh. and Trubisky become viable options. This is I, a sad like dark a weird, day in Seattle, this baby. Is, seems like a weird stopgap to me. This team is not good. They're gonna they're gonna take the Trubisky money and sign four running backs with it. And a safety. So People long as back. it's not Drew Locke, we've all won. Can't rule it out. I agree with this. This Can't is this out. is. What about Minshew? Listen, if an Eagles quarterback is getting traded, it will not be Minshew. It'll be Hurts, because they'll be trading for another quarterback who is Deshaun Watson, who may or may not become available on the trade market. So that's also very much an option because the Seattle would absolutely take Hurts. I I don't know. I mean, I, I just the the Watson thing. Like I I I heard some people talk about that at the combine. Like team people were like, "Well, when Watson becomes available, like, well, he's not on not the NFL sure schedule. Yeah. We're not exactly the grand jury isn't exactly revolving around the new league year." We'll right. leave it at that. Just, they see Russ gets trading. They're like, "Oh, we gotta we gotta hurry up the process for, for the NFL yeah. news cycle." Just checking in. On the legal process. No, oh, it doesn't work like that. Um, all right, guys. It's time for the second the second emergency pod in one. Never happened before. There's never been a, like a a Russian nesting doll. Of <laughs> a little emergency pod. Stacking pods. Just stacking pods the pod. on pods. Mike Gusecki franchise tag pod. Can we get the Inception sound effect uh, yes. drop? And you hear the classical music playing yep. in the background like Joseph Gordon yep. Levitt did when you had to press the button or whatever? Ladies and gentlemen. Aaron Rodgers emergency pod. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, a semi-emergency podcast. We were going to record around this time anyway, but then Aaron Rodgers commits to returning to the Green Bay Packers on what looks to be a $50 million a year deal. Um, there's still some debate about whether it's four years, what what the uh, basically the, the bones of that deal are. We'll get to that. I'm joined by Noah Princiati. Noah, hello. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm great. Ben Solak is here. Hey, bud. Howdy. What's going on? Steven Ruiz. Awful. Awful. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers ruined my day. I had nothing else to do today. Now I have to pod and write. Jordan Love, QB1 in Carolina. Oh, my. You just made my day worse. Thank you. <laughs> All right. A lot to get to. Uh, number one is that the offseason has just changed dramatically. Um, Nora, are you okay? You need, you need to say something? Yeah, no, I'm good. So, like, we're here because Aaron Rodgers sort of took our days by storm. And then I just, as we started this, well, inside baseball for the listeners, I usually turn my phone off. But I do sometimes get those, like, computer text notifications. And one of my sure. friends just got engaged. So we've got a lot of news going on, but this is an Aaron Rodgers focused podcast, not a wedding focused podcast. That's that's for later in the offseason. Wow. Huh. I, for, okay. I forgot about oh. wedding era, Nora. Good times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in her wedding era. I'm still in my wedding era. <laughs> yeah. Was that a news dump uh, by actually, your friend? Actually, actually. Was that a news dump? <laughs> that was a news dump. But let's bring this full circle. Weren't Rodgers and Matt LaFleur at like David Bakhtiari's wedding in California yeah. over the weekend? Yes. Hammered this yeah. all out. The deals get done at weddings. 
Rogers is in his wedding era too. We're all in our wedding era, guys. Are things more likely to get worked out at a wedding or pushed off? It depends on um, how David Bakhtiari and his fiance or his now wife sat them, right? If you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, table yeah. of all Packers guys. I feel like could, there was a Packers yeah. table. Right. I feel like no. there was definitely mm-hmm. a Packers table. There yeah, probably was. There's gotta be a there's gotta be a couple Packers tables. If Bakhtiari's smart, he's putting Rogers in the floor at like table twenty seven in the corner, bunch of other randos, nobody to talk to but one yes, another. That's exactly like, right. Listen, yeah. yeah, I was thinking that. You I guys gotta that. figure it's it out now. Let's principals go. and then four <laughs> high school friends. Exactly. I feel like Shailene Woodley would take issue with Nora saying Rogers is in his wedding era. I think she disagrees with that. That's actually very fair. All right. We're at minute three of this conversation and it's already gone off the rails. Let's get to the football. Ben, when you heard this, you thought what? I think there was just generally a sense of like, okay, a normal thing. You know what I mean? A lot of the Rogers saga over the last 12 to 18 months has been Oh, a not normal thing. <laughs> Something that we don't really know how to calibrate to. Going back to when... Really? What, they, what about it was not normal? Well, I was going to say, going back to when they lost that NFC Championship game against the Bucks, where they like kicked the field goal down eight, and it was like, all right, that was pretty crazy. And then Rodgers just sits in front of reporters and is like, man, wonder who'll be back next year. We were all like, what? Like, who? Sorry? And, he, and they go, like, I don't know. You know, who knows what'll happen? It was kind of like... All right, like, is this a thing or is this not a thing? And it progressively became more and more of a thing. Randall Cobb gets back in Green Bay. You know what I mean? We got showing up late to camp. We got random appearances on Pat McAfee's show every Tuesday. We got the whole COVID thing that goes down. McAfee who broke the story today. McAfee who broke the story today. And is still breaking the story because uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted that's a four-year, $200 million deal. McAfee said per sources those numbers are not correct. Matt Schneiman sure. of The Athletic has since said that he also is hearing what McAfee sense. is hearing and that that money is Jay not Glazer, correct. Jay Glazer did say $50 million a year, though. Right. So we got we just got like, there's probably like, what it probably is is there's like void years, right? There's ways to get yeah, the money. this is a Tom Brady flashback. Yeah. It's going to be future. really funny if it's a one-year $50 million deal when you shoot this next offseason. Right. And, and, and that's the thing is like, I think that it's a little bit of like a semantics conversation in terms of what the deal functionally is for the Packers versus what it functionally is for Rodgers. Because we got to remember, Rodgers might have also retired. So the Packers definitely built this deal to be like, hey, we got to be ready if he retires next year or in two years or whatever. But I think in general, it's like, OK, Nora had the, the correct tweet where she said, at the end of the day, the team that made consecutive NFC championship games kept the consecutive MVP in the building. So in terms of football normalcy, Chalk one up as a win. The Packers and Rodgers are going forward together. My allegation was that that is good. Yeah. Seems well, like a seems like a solid idea. Having move. seen having seen now the end of this, hopefully the end of this. What was Rodgers' angle over the past couple of months? That I, I this is the question I have absolutely no interest <laughs> in trying to answer. I'm so sorry, Kevin. I am not going inside that man's mind. Like I'll take how that many one. Weird, weird <laughs> cleanses. Steven can I give you another no. question in a second? Because we have an interruption of Steven Ruiz, who is ready to answer the question: What was Roger's angle over the past couple of months? His angle was me, 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 me. Pay attention to me, <laughs> not anyone else. Me. That was his angle, and he pulled it off. He, he nailed it. Bravo. Andy got paid. Congratulations, for doing it. Aaron Rodgers. All right. And honestly, all four of us being in media, we can relate. We want people to listen to us and get paid. We also right. have like it. deeply benefited from from this yeah. whole yes. ridiculous charade. Exactly. There's another there's another angle to it, though, where like um, I think Rodgers would like to remain on a competitive football team. And that regardless sure. of the issues that they're going to have with the cap, 
over the next couple of months, like that feels mission accomplished as well. Okay, so I have a couple things here. Number one, I think that this was in an era where the player empowerment era doesn't exist, right? And and no quarterback who a team has wanted to keep has ever successfully forced their way out as a when they're at superstar status or even star status, right? Jay Cutler is is the most analogous to it. And that was because he was feuding with Josh McDaniels and they had tried to get Matt Castle at one point and it was just kind of a long, weird saga. The Stafford Lions were just rebuilding and they were just happy to take the draft picks, right? Nothing like Rodgers being traded has ever even come close to happening in, in pro football in the modern era. So when I, I think Rodgers knew this. I think that he knew, you know, Gutenkunst had not promised a trade. Um, they, tr- they promised to consider the options or, or review his status, I guess was the phrase. So what I think was happening was Rodgers was exerting a type of pressure, which was, I want to see up to the franchise tag day what moves we're thinking about making. I want to make sure that we're going to keep Devontae Adams, which is always a near certainty, but it reports are that that's going to happen. And just make sure that the offseason looks okay from his standpoint. And if it didn't, he could exert even more pressure and we could go from there. He could have made life very unpleasant for Matt LaFerne, Brian Gutenkunst, and Russ Ball and Mark Murphy over the next couple of months if, they, if he didn't like what they were doing. Um, I think that there are real problems with any of the destinations that were outlined over the past couple of days. Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill had like a $53 million cap hit or sorry, dead cap hit if he, if he got released. And there were some cap guys who were much smarter about this stuff than me, who were basically saying that they would, the Packers almost would have had to take back Tannehill, which I don't know why they would want to do that in, in that mm-hmm. kind of trade. Um, the Broncos are just, frankly just a worse team. I understand there's, there's a consistency with, with Nathaniel Hackett there, but I just don't know why that'd be a better situation than Green Bay other than he wanted to leave. Pittsburgh, kind of the same thing. Kind of still, I, I really love the infrastructure there, but I think that Green Bay has better players. Um, so you get into a situation where Matt LaFleur is the best play caller that you're going to have of those four teams if you were to rank them. The Packers are the best infrastructure with familiarity. So I, I, I just didn't see a lot of realistic options, Nora, um, for this. And that's why I, I expect this to end at some point. Yeah, I think that's right. I think Denver thought they were a realistic option. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things to come as a result of this is just like, what do the Broncos do? Because I I don't think that they thought that they were getting Rodgers. I think they probably could read the tea leaves just as well as anyone and and had good information that the likelihood was that it was going to be a no and that he was going to go back. But nobody really knew because this was just Rodgers's choice. And I do think they thought that they were in the running enough that it kind of put a lot of other stuff on hold. I do want to just clarify, go back to one of the things that you just said, because the distinction between what uh, Rappaport and some of the other national insiders have reported and then McAfee pushing back about the numbers, it is just making me ever so slightly nervous that as we brought up and alluded to earlier, this is a void years situation. You're right that no analogous quarterback has ever like forced a trade in this situation. But what we've seen, what we saw Tom Brady do and what a quarterback with extreme leverage can do is essentially buy free agency, right? And it seems like this is not that. It seems like this is a, you know, medium term real extension. But if there's like, if we find out that there's a bunch of void years on the end of this, I just want to just in case, just in case that's where that ends up. Like, 
that is the way that we've seen this happen in the past. That is how super, super high-level quarterbacks have been able to buy their way into choosing their own destination. And it mm-hmm. just, having been through the Brady thing, I, it just makes me nervous, and I want to get that out there. I agree. And obviously, the Brady thing was a free agent deal and not a trade, so it's not similar. And also, if you read, I read Jeff Benedict's book a couple months ago, they thought Brady was leaving two years earlier. Like the crafts well, were kind of shocked. That's why it is similar though, Kevin is because yes. he did not have enough leverage to force a trade, but what he did have enough leverage to do was force a restructure that was going to allow him to get to the market. Yeah. And I, I, we are still not in a place with star quarterbacks, even like the shiniest stars of them all where they can force trades in that way, but they do have the leverage to change their contract status in a way that gives them the power to have more say over where they end up. All right, Nora, I get that. But like Roger's situation was that he, his contract basically was a, there was a restructure in 2021. Uh, then the void year was, was, uh, was 2023 basically. So he could have just waited out the contract, I guess. And then played, played yeah, the franchise. It would, it would have been one more chicken. year. I'm just, I just want that is the one thing we don't know about what this looks like that could meaningfully change it. You know, if right. it's 201 Rogers, million way, instead of 200, like big whoop, but that could make a difference. Rogers by the deal could not have been franchise tagged if he waited out the two seasons. That was in the deal. Right. So mm-hmm. it right. Is what which it is. is again, similar to Brady. Right. Um, ben, from a football standpoint, Packers, NFC favorites. Ooh, yeah. No. Who who do the Rams resign? <laughs> Rams got a lot of people to resign. Not, who not probably not Von Miller. All right. Uh, it, right. It's tight. The thing with the Packers, and this this is really interesting to me, is last off season, a lot of the Rodgers Packers will they won't. They was like, I want Randall Cobb, baby. I was like, all right, we'll go we'll go get you Randall. Aaron, how are you feeling about that? And now, uh, Randall Cobb's a free agent. Equinemius St. Brown's a free agent. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling is a free agent. And given what's been said about Marquez Valdez Scantling's market, Green Bay is not going to have the money to sign him, period. Uh, I think Robert Tunyon also is a free agent, if memory serves. Might be wrong on yeah, that one. He is. Yeah. He is. Uh, list of current Packers pass catchers Devontae Adams, who has it franchise tagged. Sick. That's a free 2,000 yards. We love that. Amari Rogers, third round pick, could not see the field. Bad when he did so. Josiah DeGuara. A guy I kind of know who played at the University of Cincinnati. Mercedes Lewis. He is a tackle playing tight end. Like it is, the coverage are even more bare than they were last season. Like this is, I don't know what, again, like the, the knowing the contract structure is going to help us a lot. I would imagine the Packers found some way to leave her open some space for 2022, but the Packers desperately need pass catching weapons, which makes this whole full circle hilarious because you know what Rodgers wanted with the first round pick of the 2020 NFL draft? Pass catcher. And instead, it's yep. Jordan Love, who is, again, not going to play football this season. Uh, and so it, it's Packers are certainly up there with the Rams. I think it's going to be tight, again, depending on kind of who the Rams resign. But the Packers have a passing game question. Even with Rodgers and Adams back, they need more bodies than they have right now. Who, who's better? Is there anybody better? Because the Cowboys the, I, seem to be getting worse. I think we're forgetting They're, about the team that ended their season, the 49ers. Yeah, I think the I think well, okay. but they've got quarterback. Niners have a quarterback marks. change. Yeah, I think yeah. the Rams are the best team in the NFC. They have quarterback questions in that 
they might have the same quarterback they had last year when they beat the Packers or two, three years ago when they beat the Packers. They, the quarterback question is, oh, can we get a better quarterback out of Trey Lance? So I don't think the 49ers are going to get worse barring injury. And if Trey Lance is better than Jimmy G, then they could be even better. I think the 49ers are a better team right now than the Packers are, which I think there's time for that to change. I don't think they're in salary cap hell that they can't get out of this offseason where they can't add a few more pass catchers. I think they're the new Saints. I think they're going to be the Saints for the next four years where we're going to worry about their salary cap every offseason and it won't matter. The other thing is that in part as a result of this, the 49ers could start a bidding war for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, we live in a world where Jimmy Garoppolo is the crown prince quarterback of this trade market. And I'm, in. I'm all about it. I'm all about he's this it. Year we just Stafford. have to accept it. Did you say now he's this Rock- year Stafford? No, I'm not saying he's as good as Stafford. Okay. I, mean, I mean, he's the veteran that's available. But he to kind trade of is. Him. Yeah. He's I, the one where coaches are in Cabo checking their phone to see if they've gotten <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. Yet. Jimmy Garoppolo, go to Cabo challenge. Um, Hey, Ben, I want to do 30 seconds on this because I've never heard this conversation before, truly. So everyone talked about how the Packers liked Justin Jefferson, but obviously he wasn't there at, right. at 26. Okay, They could have traded up in some fantasy land, but they didn't. Okay, mm-hmm. um, The next receiver off the board was T. Higgins. Would that have... What did, what, did the Packers, what would the Packers have looked like in an alternate reality where they took T. Higgins? Oh, better than they looked the last couple <laughs> seasons, baby. Oh, mama, T. Higgins on the opposite side. I mean, what, what T. has been for the Bengals, especially this year, watching him play the second field with Demar Chase is exactly what you would have liked with Devontae Adams. Like, all right, you want to mm-hmm. send coverage to Devontae? You want a single cover, six foot four, 210-pound T. Higgins? It's fine by me. So, yeah, him. Uh, Michael Pittman was next, right? One pick later. Uh, not as good as T. Higgins, but also delightful. Uh, that would have really worked well. And I think Pittman, who is like the quasi one Indianapolis right now, is much better suited as like a, a versatile number two. That would have been great. Next receiver off the board yeah. was uh, LaVisca Chenault. Chenault. No comment. I love LaVisca coming out. Things aren't going great in Jacksonville. I'm going to get over it. Chase Claypool um, at 49. Yeah. And listen, the nice thing is that the Packers, at 46. The, the Packers don't draft small receivers. Like Amari is the first mm-hmm. one they've drafted in ages. Uh, and so at the time in 2020, they would have taken one of T, Michael Pittman, or uh, uh, Claypool. Like they wouldn't have gone mm-hmm. LaVisca or Hamler, or they probably was that. Oh no, who else was in that second round? Regardless, they would have taken one of the big guys, and it would have been to their benefit. Now, uh, Van Jefferson, Van Jefferson was in second yeah. round. Second they, round, Denzel they got to be good with with this draft. They got to get immediate contributors because they're not going to have enough money. Like. They're going to lose Lucas Patrick. They're going to potentially lose Devondre Campbell. Like, there are a lot of guys who are potentially leaving. They got to hit. They got to hit big. All right. We can go around. Whoever wants to take this can. Biggest loser today. Oh, it's Jordan Love. (laughs) You didn't even have to finish the question. You just had to say, it's Jordan Love. Also, the idea that anyone besides Steven was going to take the who's the biggest loser question was ridiculous. I mean, his... I really feel sorry for him. His career has been derailed, and I'm not sure how you get it back on the track at this point. Like, who is, what team is he going to go to that, that gets his career back on track? And he's a guy who needed to play more so than anybody in that draft. He needed to play from day one. He hasn't played. He's not going to play this year unless he gets traded to a team that's willing to start him. And I don't know what team that is outside of Carolina. Okay, so this is an, an earnestly interesting question for me. But I don't want a Kevin here, but like... What what do you trade for Jordan Love? Because you've won game sample size. He's 23 mm-hmm. years old, right? Like Rosen got a second round pick when he was 22. 
And we saw Rosen enough to know that, like, it wasn't pretty to start. Love, we haven't even seen that much. So, like, to me, it's... Well, who's... It has, however, not been pretty when we've seen it. Right, but it's, it's, far, it's a far smaller sample. It's less. It's a really right. small sample size. It's a pretty bad sample. Right. Top 10 pick being given the opportunity to start Rosen, again, as the, as the comparison here, and failing to do so, to me, measures up slightly differently to, like, 26th overall pick, who was immediately hated <laughs> by the man in front of him, and kind of how that affects development. So, like, I don't know. To me, like, I, I would not personally be sending a second-round pick for Jordan Love. However, I could see a team no. doing that. Maybe. So Ben, I, I, so ben, ben third, thinks Love's worth a second, a day-two pick. That's not what I said. That's what I'm getting from. So, no, Ben, I, I think if he had done well in that one game, I think you're looking at a second-round pick. Like, not, not like Matt Flynn setting records good. Right. I'm just talking about, like, if he'd handled himself well, you're looking at a second-round pick. And I know that I don't think NFL teams freak out over one game, but what I will say is, like, when you play one game in your career, yes, that's that's what they have to go off of. I think a third is probably fair. Would yeah. you take that, Ben? If I'm the Packers? Yeah. Without blinking. Oh, sweet Christmas. I Seriously? get a third-round pick. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I don't I mean, even think Ben would have drafted back. Love in the third round. Yeah, it's a cheap draft backup quarterback. Otherwise, you end up with Mike Glennon. I, I, I'm fine. Give me Tim Boyle, baby. I'm fine at this point, right? Like, But, like, I, also, uh, there was an ESPN report recently that, like, Mitch Trubisky might get significant yeah. money, whatever that means. If Eight I'm the Packers, Mitch, I'm not committing cap space to a backup quarterback when you can just, like, if the merit of that is getting a third-round pick for Jordan Love. I think hmm. that with the 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 cap situation they're in, the need to get more picks and, and take more 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 cracks at the bat, more swings, uh, and able to get some contributors short term. That plus the last time I tried to plan a future post Aaron Rodgers, it absolutely exploded in my face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at however long I get Rodgers, one year, two year, three years, whatever it is, and saying. I'm so sick and tired of winning and it's or of losing NFC championship games. I'm so sick and tired of 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 falling in the divisional round. Like I at this point, I think and I, I think the contract structure will reflect this when we get it, that the Packers are in, as Steven said, all in mode where it's the Saints, where it's like every year they can't keep doing this. And every year they just find a way to push it, push it, push it, push it, push it. And we'll rob Peter to pay Paul for as long as this guy's still playing for us. So if you're giving me a potential top one hundred pick for Jordan Love, yeah, I'm on it. Are we sure the Jordan Love pick wasn't good? A net win for the Packers. No, we are not sure of that. Yeah, we will only know once Jordan Love plays. It pissed <laughs> Rodgers off so much that he became the multiple MVP since then. The Packers didn't lose him; they decided to give him a slight raise, which, by the way, he may have asked for to begin with. Anyway, he signed his he signed his previous deal with two years left on his on his old deal. So I don't I don't think it's as big of an, a net L as maybe some people on Twitter think it is. That's my take. It, I don't it think it's a, it I don't wasn't think an L at all. I'm not sure it's a net L at all. I just think Jordan Love is probably not that good. Oh, no, no. I'm not. I'm certainly not saying that. I don't think Jordan <laughs> Love is very good. I'm talking about the pick. I'm talking about the value of the pick. I'd rather have T. Higgins. But say, I also yeah. think that in the, in the grand... T. Higgins would have done the same things for Rodgers that being pissed off would have. Does that make sense? I think... I think- I, I'm just in my head envisioning T. Higgins holding the Lombardi Trophy in a green jersey right now. I just think T. makes them so much better than the nine games of Marquez Valdez Scantlin they were getting. But I hear what you're saying. I have another. I have another loser. I have another loser. Shock the the 
the salary cap nerds, I think, are the biggest loser. I think we're in a post-salary no, cap. No, no, world no, no. Now. Let me tell you, Steven, nope. Steven, Steven, I'm, I'm gonna let you get there. But the, if they go into the Titans and they were paying a hundred million dollars at one position and it was fine, that's when that would have been the, like PFF Brad would have had to delete his account if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Poor PFF Brad. Continue. Okay, we're, I think we're post-salary so, uh, cap. I used to think it was a salary cap league, and that dictated everything. I think once you get a quarterback, it doesn't matter. Your salary cap doesn't matter anymore. Before you get a quarterback, what? sure, it does. If you have like one of these tier three quarterbacks. But if you get a tier two quarterback even, I think you're good. I don't think you need to care about the salary cap. The Saints have proven it. You can mess up your cap, and it won't matter for at least five What's years. What's going on in Dallas have- right now, where they're at offering Demarcus Lawrence a pay cut to stay? They just restructured $22 million, uh with Dak and Zach Martin. I know. Right. I just did it. Zach like, Martin's getting a $7 million check today, but are they, they're not going to be able to keep all the guys they want. I don't think the problem in Dallas is that they don't have enough cap space to go. they got plenty of talent. The problem in Dallas is who they picked as their, their coach. But I think it is also that they don't have enough cap space. But what is that? What has it prevented them from that, doing? That, like, good players that you would like to keep have to walk out the door. I mean, I, I, I think... Both of these things can be true, right? Like we look at the Saints and see a team that is incredibly smart and aggressive in how they manipulate the cap. Also, they work themselves into a bind and there are benefits to it. But also, you don't think New Orleans would have liked to re-sign Trey Hendrickson last year, right? Like, yeah. It is not. Couldn't sign Clowney a couple of years ago. On the whole, you would rather be aggressive and sometimes borrow against future years when you feel like you're in the window than not. However, there are sometimes costs to it. Sometimes I, Dal- it, it comes back the, to bite the you. Dallas restructure. The Dallas restructure is helping them fit the Dalton Schultz franchise tag, yes. brother, and the right. and the Michael Gallup extension because Amari Cooper's Wonderful. leaving, which is just a mess. Wonderful, right? And if they needed to sign with someone else, they would just restructure Dax deal, and it wouldn't matter. There's well, always a way. They will point. not There's be able to do that with Amari Cooper. Well, that was just a bad. They shouldn't have signed that contract. They can Part get rid of it. Of I was actually. It's a bad contract, well, actually. From I was Amari Cooper's. Well, yeah. So, so the uh, over the Cowboys point this week that they, when the Cooper deal was signed, it looked like the wide receiver market was going to grow, like the that twenty was going to be not insane in a couple of years. And then COVID happened, the salary cap goes down, salary cap stays flat, all that stuff. And they're now Cooper's deal looks like an albatross. I think they were betting on significant growth there. Um, that that is that is what it is. So the salary cap took an L. But also, like Jerry Jones pays pays people like. The Cowboys well, pay players. Six yeah. years. Uh, how much was Zeke contract? Six years, ninety million or something like that. All I'm yeah. saying is salary cap hell overrated. I it's don't. Overrated. I, I I'm not disagreeing with that. Aren't you saying salary cap hell is underrated? Underrated. No, but it's I'm saying it's overrated. How bad be, or worse? Every team should be in salary cap hell because it's it's fine. It's a cool. Yeah, it's, no, it's cool. Degrees. If you're not in salary cap hell, you're a dork. Yeah, like, that's true. That's true. Anybody who has salary cap flexibility is a massive nerd. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Zeke Elliott. Kevin on the same page. Zeke Elliott's deal. Don't subscribe uh, to this. Cap hit in 2022 is 18.2. Dead cap is 30 million. Hey, cap Steven. 12. Steven, <laughs> you know who has the most cap space of all teams in 2022? Uh, I bet I know. Los Talk Angeles Chargers, baby. Uh, that's not what I was, was going to say. So the Chargers are the most dorky team? Yeah, and there is a reason why they were watching the playoffs at home with the greatest quarterback (laughs) of all time, because they're dorks. PFF Brandon? 
PFF Brandon, man. Ruiz and I took in Brandon Staley's press conference the other day. Had a wonderful time. <laughs> it, was, it was fun to watch. Took it in. It was fun to watch. It's like the two old men on uh on on the Muppets. I actually th- I literally thought about that. Just standing in the back, commenting, doing a doing a director's commentary. Um, of the other destinations that we haven't talked about, Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Um, are we pretty sure that that Tennessee is just gonna roll with Tannehill now, guys? I never got the Tannehill Tennessee Rogers thing, which goes to the, the cap point you were making, Kevin. Where it's like, all right, that like. Yeah, we're more comfortable with dead cap hits with quarterbacks now, but that's a little, little, little too much, a little too rich for my blood. Uh, I, and also, like, it was definitely going to make them better, but also, I don't think Tannehill is the biggest problem that Tennessee has there. We're not going to get back into relitigating the Titans on this podcast. We'll we'll do that nostalgia later. What's anyway, the biggest problem? What's the biggest problem with the Titans? Back seven, secondary mm-hmm. talent. I thought it was that they were committed to winning and have a good culture. <laughs> I thought you hate that stuff. We're not doing this! Um, <laughs> Pittsburgh, I still think, is okay. Um, yeah. I very much view Pittsburgh as a team that if they get a semi-competent quarterback, i.e. like a Jimmy Garoppolo landing spot, they're going to see a big bump. Just because Roethlisberger was so limiting, not only in how he executed the plays called on the field, but also in what plays they could even possibly call in the first place. Just because of what mm-hmm. he did and didn't want to do and what he was not wasn't capable of doing. Um, and so to me, they're a... Jimmy landing spot, a Carson Wentz landing spot, a Mitchell Trubisky, $10 million for some reason, landing spot. And like th- those things are okay for me. So I don't really view them as a team that needed Rodgers. Uh, Pittsburgh, anything, guys? If they get Jimmy, it's a clear upgrade. Mm-hmm. Over, it's a clear upgrade. They could not throw whom? to You know whom? The corpse well, of Mason Ben Roethlisberger. Rudolph too. And Mason Rudolph. Wait, the funny Mason thing about Rudolph. Mason Rudolph is he was like 20 years younger than Ben Roethlisberger, but played exactly like him. <laughs> played exactly. Nothing changed. <laughs> nothing changed. Um, anything else in this, guys, before we go on the next topic? I'm Why glad it's the- over. It could have extended. I mean, Ro- Favre watch lasted until August. <laughs> it was like Ryan Longwell on tractors in Mississippi. Farva, uh, Farva also got traded. I think when he was was he twenty three when he got traded from the Falcons. Anyway, like if Love gets Falcons, traded, yeah. if Love gets traded, he will he will be the next Brett Favre or the next Josh Rosen. One of the two. One of the two. <laughs> Flip a coin. One of the two. Um, let's go through franchise tags real quick. Uh, Mike Gesicki. Yes. No. Ruiz. Uh, I have no I have no thoughts on that one. I th- like it makes sense because he's a good player, but he's not. A great player. I, it came out of nowhere to me, though. I don't understand. And the don't tight, the tight end tag is pretty manageable. Is right, so low. Yeah, tight end tag yeah. is I think just over ten million, and the wide receiver tag is what like seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Almost eighteen. Fun fact about Mike Kosicki: he lined up out wide this year yes. more than Cooper Cup did per next gen stats. So yep. if Cooper Cup is a wide receiver, you know who's probably a wide receiver. We Mike already Kosicki. well, we already did this with Jimmy Graham. Five years ago. I don't even know if it was that, if it was that extreme. I mean, he, like, Gesicki lined up tight, like, less than 20% of the time or something. Like, it's yeah, it's yeah. really wild. The thing with Graham was that he lined up out wide more than he lined up in line. But with Gesicki, yeah. it's like, I line up out wide more than actual receivers do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if anyone has, yeah. like, an argument, it's him. The arbitration hearing about whether or not Jimmy Graham was wide receiver was really amazing. 
It was really amazing. Uh, there's some. I'll, I want to maybe revisit that one day. It was just like they had experts on like how good a blocker he was. I'm 90 percent sure Butch Davis was involved somehow. <laughs> I don't remember. I remember the testimony, and it was just like someone was like, "He's a bad blocker." You should like someone on his side was like, "You're he's right. a bad blocker." Yeah. So you should pay him the wide receiver I, money. I was like, "Is Graham like? Have you seen me block?" <laughs> <laughs> He just has like that films like the Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham takes this, the 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 stand on behalf of himself right. and just says he hates blocking and can't do it. Dramatic final episode of the HBO miniseries, just Jimmy Graham screaming at his lawyer, "I want to take the stand." He should have hired Odell's dad to put together a highlight reel. Would have got it. Would have gotten it done. Yeah. Um. It was that. I don't even understand this. It was during the testimony that Butch Davis said that. The Bucks drafted Mark Barron to stop Jimmy Graham. <laughs> and that was part of the testimony. <laughs> I'm telling you guys. Oh, he was a, he was a special he was a special assistant to the Bucks. So he was in the draft room. This is it was completely insane. It was one of those things that was just lost to history because there wasn't really an NFL Twitter back then, but it was uh it was some wild stuff. That's something else. Uh, anything else, Mike Kosicki, guys, before we go on? Not, not all at once. Well, not I mean, Schultz and Joku or the other Schultz, tight ends yeah, I was that got get tagged. Yeah, like, Schultz and yeah. Joku. It, it's just not a lot of money. Sorry, we don't have uh, hot takes on mid-tier tight ends. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we only have hot takes on the Carolina Panthers. I actually think, like, and, definitionally. And the, and the concept of cap space. <laughs> the tight end tag is, like, um, a lukewarm take. That's, like, a team giving a lukewarm take on right. David and Joku. Ten million bucks? Eh, fine. Orlando Brown, guys. I mean, have to do it, I guess. Right, have yeah. to do it. You traded the Brandon pick. was on the wall. Yeah, I will say, like, I, I, I don't want to beat this drum too much, but like, watching Orlando Brown down the stretch, man, I would be wanting to get a developmental tackle in the building, just because. I agree. When we go five wide, and he's left alone on island eight, pretty. Um, I agree with that, and I also think that, and I'll, I'm just gonna quote this out there: We made fun of the Texans franchise. A whole hell of a lot for trading for Laramie Tunsil without a contract extension, ready to go because the leverage is so high when you trade a first round pick or multiple first round picks in, in Tunsil's case. But the leverage was so high that they were able to reset the Tunsil without an agent was able to reset the market. Nor you, you've written about this. Um, the Chiefs did it, but because I think the Chiefs are one of the smartest franchises in football, we didn't have the same kind of eye roll at the risk they were taking. But it's true, Orlando Brown has a lot of leverage in the situation. I'm fine with the reality of me making fun of the Texans more than the Chiefs. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm that's why I'm I'm leaving the floor open for somebody else to make fun of the Chiefs because I'm not going to do it. I'm just asking questions. Ruiz looks (laughs) like he wants to make fun of the Chiefs. I I feel like the the head coach could move better in space than the starting left tackle. That's a problem. (laughs) See, (laughs) I would enjoy seeing that. You guys up. This is why I tee you guys up. Um, Yeah, uh, Devontae Adams is obviously a no brainer. Jesse Bates get really. tagged. Jesse yeah, Bates got tagged. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he made a. He basically said like, I don't want to play on this tag. He didn't say like I won't, but he says like I don't really want to. Uh, this was a couple weeks ago. Um, the Bengals would be smart to extend him because he's very good, and they can open up room this year by not having to pay him. I think it's somewhere around like fifteen million per or fifty million for one year, I should say, on the tag. This is a a, a situation where. 29 of the other 31 teams would have gotten this puppy done, but the Cincinnati Bengals, baby, just love to look at eight-tier players and go, what if we screwed around with the money for a while? And I would really like for the 
Joe Burrow era Cincinnati Bengals to be spenders and be aggressors and play in a game with Jimmy Bates, Jesse Bates contract is not that. Uh, and so I would, I would hope that this contract gets done because Bates is a player that deserves it. Uh, and the Bengals have a team that deserves that their stars get handled and that their, their nucleus gets kept together. So Bates mm-hmm. he's, he's value on the tag, but you should be extending him and bringing the, the 2022 cap a little lower. I think this is a good test for the Bengals are not a, an organization that can support, support Burrow. Like that's like been the take, like, Oh, can they, I think Carson Palmer made it, made it at the Super Bowl and got in a bunch of trouble, but this is it. Like if they can't handle the Bates deal, then I would have serious questions going forward. Well, and the Bengals also, one of the ways in which they're different from other teams in, in how they spend is um, there's very few categories in which they are willing to guarantee money. Their contracts often include very, very few guarantees. And whether or not they will be willing to change that, change those practices, I think is a huge test for how they will go into the Joe Burrow, Burrow post-Super Bowl appearance era. Because mm-hmm. it has knocked them out of the running for free agents before just being like, no, we don't do it like that. And there's other te- you know, the, the Steelers have the way that they structure contracts. This is not unique in the NFL. However, if you sign with the Bengals, often you're not getting a lot of guaranteed money. And whether or not they're willing to shift on that, I think for super, super high priced, high profile free agents is going to make a difference going forward. And I'm really, really, really curious to see if this is the thing that changes that because they've been spenders the last couple of free agency periods, but there's stuff like that where it's a little bit more nuanced that I think will change how agents look at them, how the sort of cream of the crop free agents look at them. And that still, they've shifted the dollar amount, but they haven't shifted that practice. And and I'm really curious to Mm -hmm. see if they will. Mm -hmm. Chris Godwin obviously is expected to be tagged. Uh, Calvin Ridley. Oh, let's uh, hear it, Ben. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll handle this one. Um, I think that I've seen some of the dumbest takes I've ever seen on Twitter over the past 24 hours, just in all directions, in all sorts of directions, that a lot of people saw the Calvin Ridley news and said to themselves, what if I was a huge dumbass publicly? Um, and that was uh, that was a joy to watch. So I think that there are a couple of, of things to unpack. Uh, number one is the punishment is not, is not crazy. Um, you know, I was actually talking to someone over the past week who was talking about the, the talk they give you in August in training camp that you basically can't, you can't gamble on anything. You can't play fantasy football for money. Um, if you work in the league office or, or for a team, it's pretty heavily regulated what you can do and what you can't. Just I'm, I'm talking about fantasy football. I'm not talking about gambling. You can't gamble on any of this stuff. Um, but even fantasy football is pretty heavily regulated. So it's not like he, he it was like, oh, I didn't know I couldn't do this. Like they drill this into you. Um, so I understand that. I would say that the video of Calvin Ridley, the, the highlights of Calvin Ridley making mistakes and people saying, oh, he's throwing games. Um, that was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I was you really could do into that it. with anybody. You could to make a supercut of Ruiz stammering on this podcast over the past year 
and say he's throwing this podcast. And it's like, no, he did it like four times. It's fine. <laughs> wow, get ahead, he is, Stephen. He is, Ouch. Well, Stephen, Stephen is actively working <laughs> against this podcast, but that's a separate. That's not for gambling. <laughs> that's just a personal thing. But I, I just thought that was so unbelievably stupid. And what, what the, we can do? Occam's Razor here. He was away from the team. He was at the Hard Rock Casino. He placed a bet. It got tripped by an AI company or whatever it is called Genius, which then flagged to the NFL. That's all it is. If it was anything nefarious, Genius wouldn't have gotten it from the Hard Rock app. I promise you, if this were some criminal mafia mastermind that was yep. behind all of this, if there was an Arnold Rothstein of Calvin Ridley, he would not have instructed him to go to the Hard Rock app in South Florida and say, please put down a $1,500 bet. That's not part of the criminal mastermind. Wasn't right. a $1,500 bet. It was 1500 total. Okay, total. He does not have a gambling problem. Very I, I, I see everybody's point here, except the people who think that this is part of some larger conspiracy. So you're saying that Calvin Ridley is not this. This heir is Arnold Rothstein is what you're saying. That's you guys what th- I'm saying. The Falcons have nobody else. The Falcons can look to blame people throwing games, but they're still just the Falcons. <laughs> I do want some audio of one of those calls for Terry Fontenot's office where the Patriots are like, hey, like Calvin, like potentially move. Like what sort of price are you looking at? Just Terry going... Well, we'll get back to you because of that report yeah. that the Falcons like knew for weeks that something was coming and they were just like rebuffing all trade calls, just kind of waiting for it to happen. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, that, uh, yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Uh, third round pick sounds great. We'll get back to you in two weeks. No, they, they should have put a conditional, we'll talk. They could just put conditions on the pick. It's right. Like, hey, if something happens with Calvin, we'll bump it down to a three, <laughs> but we'll give you a two for right now. I just want to say the- that I think all things considered, I personally have gotten off rather easy for also having been high on the 2021 Atlanta Falcons. I, I've said this before. Anybody who bets on the Falcons should be suspended from their job for a year. So that's where we, we should go with, with Calvin here, is that yeah. you just shouldn't have bet on the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't wager money. However, I did select them to win more yeah. games than they ended up right. uh, doing. I'm looking through my and... sheet, and I'm seeing how many times I bet on the Falcons this year. Let's find out. Betting against Urban Meyer was was so tempting that he rest, risked his career for it. There's a lesson in that. And he won. He, he won, won that bet. game. He didn't win the parlay, I don't think. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's... Nobody really wins parlays. No. And so I guess. bet against the Falcons. I bet on the Falcons twice this year, and I won both bets. Was one of them the Jacksonville game? No, it was uh, uh, the first Saints game that they played. And then it was the uh, Detroit Lions game. Hmm. You keep track of all the bets you make? Yeah. You have okay. to. You uh, have for to? For what? You have to. What? Yeah. No, well, that, see, wait, ben. You can. Ben. No, you know what your process is. You don't have see to. See what you're actually, doing well and what you're not process. doing well. Ben, you're removing one of the core tenets of gambling, which is when you win money, you pretend it's found money and that you're making a pure profit instead of it's just covering your losses. How else are you going to How else uh, are you going to ever go I'm looking at splurge? my very thorough spreadsheets right now and I'm here to tell you pure profit on the season and pure profit bet on the Falcons. Go birds. Just different ones than usual. All right. Anything else in your spreadsheet? Uh Kyle Hamilton under 5.5 total draft position plus 140. 
now we can get to the real point of this podcast, which was an intervention for your betting. <laughs> yeah, that's why we got all four of us on. Yeah, why that's do you think fair. everyone's here? We're going to bring in Calvin Ridley. We told Calvin that yep. you spent over $1,500 gambling over the past year, which qualifies as a gambling problem, <laughs> according to his tweets. That is a problem per Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Um, any other draft takes? Anybody wants to get out there real quick? Hmm. Class is bad. Class is bad? I have two draft crushes I want to unveil. And I, I was talking this morning. I don't have a lot of draft crushes because it's not really my thing. But I just take athletic freaks um, and just go from there. Uh, Cole Strange from UT Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. And then Zion Johnson from BC. Two interior linemen that I'm building my, I'm building my line around. If you're just drafting offensive linemen off of names, Cole Strange and Zion Johnson would be two top players on the board. Pretty good. Yeah, and then there's a guy named Icky. He's probably going to be good. And then Charles I like Cross. Icky a lot. I love yeah. Icky. Number one overall pick, Icky Aquanu. Heard it here first. You've heard it several places, but I also believe it's going to happen. Is it because he tested well or because there's just momentum going? Or that Evan Neal has lost some momentum? He tested quite well. Uh, it was expected he was going to test well. Film is good. Film is, is, is very, very solid. He's not like the cleanest pass protector there ever was, but the reality is that most college tackles are just not super clean NFL pass protectors in general. Uh, Neil is big. Neil is very big. And big is high floor, but it leads to some balance problems. He's got heavy feet. Uh, leads to some problems on the outside arc uh, that I think you feel like are are unfixable. Like those are just always going to be around. He's such a big body. As opposed to a guy like Icky, who's really just a moldable ball of clay. And people like Brandon Thorne, uh, who does trench warfare and is a big offensive line guy, have given him a Jason Peters comparison, that sort of play style, that sort of of, of build. And obviously, Doug Peterson's going to be familiar with that. And I've yeah. remembered that. And so, Icky makes a lot of sense up there. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau's fallen. Probably looks going to happen. Mm-hmm. Stingley's fallen. Probably looks like that's going to happen. Um, I'm, I have a piece coming out literally later today, which we could be delayed because of Rodgers, where I, I'm going to talk about how Kyle Hamilton, the safety at Notre Dame, really should be one of the topics. And... It's silly to be like, oh, but he's a safety. Yeah, safety is really freaking important. And this guy's one of the best prospects of the position we've ever seen. So to me, that's that's a one-to-one. Um, Malik Wills, quarterback one. And Garrett Wilson, probably receiver one. How high? Because PFF had Malik Willis going to the Lions. And I just didn't think there was going to be a top three quarterback this year. I do not think he goes that early. Uh, I think that Detroit will be very happy to let people think that they might take him at two because that could lead to some trade offers. And then if they have to sit there and take Aiden Hutchinson or sit there and take Kyle Hamilton, they'll be pleased to buy. Uh, with that said, I envision a team trading up for Malik right around 10 because that's where you start to get in the Washington territory and the Denver territory. And you don't really know where those teams are going to be at. Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense to me. In that I have regard. a question. Why doesn't Maybe. Denver just draft him? They should. But I'm saying like, if a team would like to make sure they get him before Denver does, and they'll trade up to pick yeah. eight and, and, and go get him instead. Um, why doesn't Denver do a lot of things? Denver had the Justin Fields pick. Uh, the New York Giants had the Justin Fields pick. These are teams that are currently in the market for a quarterback a year later. And as John Lynch said on his podium press, they're talking about Trey Lance. Yeah, you got to look at next year's class. That's why we made the decision we did. Uh, and the, the Niners are fortunate to be a year ahead of that curve. Why right. don't the Panthers just draft him at six? Same question. <laughs> Same answer, too. They could have drafted <laughs> Justin Fields last year. But. I didn't know this. Thamel told both of us that Kenny Pickett committed to Matt Rule at one point at yeah. Temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. Matt Rule recruited him. 
David Tepper was a pit football booster. The, the Panthers are going to draft him at six. At six. They can't I even care what back. anyone else says. Like the pick could happen, and I'm still going to say that they're going to draft him at six. David Tepper is a pit football booster, and yet pit football hasn't really Curious. taken off. We're getting dangerously Curious. close to ACC football takes, and I would like to end the podcast before Kevin gets there. I'm purposely not talking because right now the, the PFF mock has Jermaine Johnson going to to Denver, and I have a Miami anecdote that I'm purposely not telling because Ben's going to get upset. Am I supposed to congratulate you for that? Please call Not talking about Miami? <laughs> yes, you are. This has been the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Uh, we'll be back next week. Ben Solak probably is on a draft podcast in the next couple of days. When is it? Uh, Thursday, he said confidently, knowing his schedule. Is that true? There's a pod out now that was released on Monday, Combine Winners, and you guys should listen to it. <laughs> well, uh, winners? We're all doing no losers? It was awards, so mostly winners. Lo- you it. come to this show for losers. Steven Ruiz has a piece up probably by now, by the time this episode goes up on Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to be on the Bill Simmons podcast later talking about a couple of different sports. Might go abroad a little bit. Um, Nora, what do you got going on? Uh, you know, just just a lot of stuff in the can. Can't really reveal it yet. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later. Thank you to Isaiah Blakely for a special help additional production supervision by Arjuna Ramkapal. This has been the Ring Around NFL Show, part of the Ring Podcast Network. I already did that. I already did that. I just, I'm just used to it being the end. Bye. Bye. Bye.